I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 43, 44, 45, and 46 of Insurgent. No, Allegiant, actually. (laughs) I'm repressing the book as we read it together. No, we're, we're still on Allegiant. And they're still moving forward with their plan to stop the memory serum. Okay, no, I can't, I can't even unpack this. Okay to stop the Chicago experiment and the other cities from being memory wiped whilst memory wiping the Bureau. And Triss and Four need to split up to do that. Matthew's helping inoculate people, allegedly. I don't really trust that guy because he's been chewing on a string and he seems a little bit radicalized. So who knows what he's really shooting them up with, but yeah, I don't know. At this stage, he's inoculating people with memory juice, except for Peter. Peter didn't do it. He gave himself like a fake shot of the inoculation serum. And Four's little plan is to inoculate Uriah's family and Christina's family, because they're important, and tell them the bad news about Uriah. And also shoot up one of his parents With the memory erasure serum, he's rushing to do that to stop the allegiant factionless war that's brewing, even though they could just do nothing and and let the Bureau wipe everybody's memories. Anyway, so that's his plan. And Triss is planning to take the Bureau down from within, but also Caleb has to die in order to do that because he can only uh, trigger the memory serum virus inside the weapons lab, which is death proof, or he'll die doing so, but he's wearing a suit that will let him live just long enough to trigger the memory serum first before the death serum overcomes him. All right, let's just get into this fucking book. What a mess. So chapter 43 is a Triss POV, and she's been in the emergency council meeting. And she says the meeting was more of the same. They just got confirmation that the viruses will be dropped over the cities this evening. And they were just talking about logistics of that. And she was zoning out because she's bored. (laughs) Then her and Tobias, they go to the atrium that's near the hotel dormitory. And they just spend some time talking and kissing and looking at plants. So they're just having a little date night before her brother's about to die. Before he's going on a secret excursion into the city to stop memory wipings, etc, etc. They're looking at plants. And you know how last week I was like, wow, the foreshadowing's quite strong that one of them's gonna die. 
Well, yeah, that continues this chapter because she's saying she's enjoying this moment with him, doing normal things with him. She says most of our time together had been spent running from one threat or another or running toward one threat or another, but I can see a time on the horizon when that won't need to happen anymore. We will reset the people in the compound (laughs) and work to rebuild this place together. Blah, blah, blah. She's looking forward to it. And all this conjecture about how they're going to spend their time together in the future, yeah, is heavily foreshadowing that that's not going to happen. He says when he has to leave, he's like, I'm sorry that I'm not going to be there with you tonight for when Caleb dies. And she's like, I don't worry about it. (laughs) She's not that fast. She's like, I'll be fine. She says, you know what? I actually am glad that I'll get to be with Caleb before it happens. Okay, that seems a bit sadistic, but okay. And he's like, yeah, I can't wait until tomorrow when I'm back and you've done what you've set out to do and we can just hang out and look at plants together. And she's like, yeah, it's going to be so good when my brother's dead and we're living in a compound full of memory wiped people. It's going to be great. She's like, yep, we'll be doing a lot of this. And then she starts kissing him and he's like, yeah, we will. Then she says, I love you. And he says, I love you too. I'll see you soon. I'm not too sure that he will. Then he kisses her, then he leaves. And then she says, it's time to be with my brother now. And that's the end of that chapter. What a flop little chapter. That was like a page and a half. Also like Caleb doesn't have to die. Here she is just making peace with it, but it was just an option. We could brainstorm other options. Maybe we can come up with an alternative plan. Maybe he could wear two clean suits when he breaks into the weapons lab. Maybe that'll help him withstand the death virus. Who knows? Can we inoculate people against the death serum? Like, let's start working on that technology. Anyway, so chapter 44 is the Tobias POV and he's checking the security screens to see what's going on in the city before he heads in there. He says, Evelyn's holed up in Erudite headquarters with her factionless supporters. They're looking over maps. Meanwhile, Marcus and Joanna are in a building on Michigan Ave, north of the Hancock building, having a meeting. And so he thinks, I hope that's where they both are in a few hours. When I decide which one of my parents to reset, they might move, but yeah, let's hope they're still in the same spot in a few hours time. And his whole big quandary, he's like, oh, which one do I reset? Which one? And if it were me, like I'd do the one in the position of power, which would be Evelyn. She's the one running the factionless, the armed factionless who are running the city at the moment. I'd maybe wipe out her brain before Marcus, who's just the co-leader. Or is he even a co-leader? He's just hanging around the Allegiant. I think it would be more impactful if he wiped Evelyn's memory. And then if he could wipe mine, so I forget this book afterwards, that would be great. And so George, who I remember now is Tori's brother, he's helping them, even though he doesn't know the full story, he thinks they're just going to get Uriah's family to tell Uriah's family that Uriah's dead. I don't know if he understands the implications of inoculating a couple of people while the whole city's getting memory wiped. I don't think he's thought about that. I think George is maybe a bit of a dum-dum, but George gives four a gun and he says, it's dangerous in the city right now with all the Allegiant stuff going on. You're all familiar with the plan, right? I'll monitor you from the security rooms and we'll see how useful I am though with the snow obscuring the cameras. So if the snow's obscuring the cameras, What use will you be? Also, are you going to radio in if you see something? Like, what's the point? And you just gave four a gun. And he's the guy that did stage a coup just a couple of days ago against the Bureau. But okay, we're just given four a gun now. 
And Four says, well, where will the other security people be? Won't they be monitoring the cameras as well? And George goes, nah, they'll be off drinking. I told them to take the night off. They're taking the night off on the day that they're having like an emergency protocol where they're wiping the memories of everyone in the city. They're sending out planes to drop memory virus over the city tonight. And we just don't want anyone in the security room to monitor that perhaps. How far did George rise up in the ranks that he can just send everyone home? Is he the boss? So then Amar, he's like, yes, Queens, come on, let's get in the truck, let's go. He's all eager for it. And four, he pulls George aside before he leaves and he says, don't ask questions, but here. And he hands him some of the memory serum inoculation juice. And he says, don't ask me any questions because I won't be able to answer them but inoculate yourself against the memory serum, okay? As soon as possible, Matthew can help you. And George is just like, what? And Four's like, just do it. Don't ask any questions. And so George is like, okay. So George must be a dumb dumb if he's not now second guessing everything that's happening. Like, why would you need to be inoculated, George? Do you not think that perhaps they're up to something, George? So they go to the truck and then Christina slips him some of the memory serum, the memory wipe serum, that is. She just slips it into his pocket like a reverse pickpocket. But Peter clocks it because Peter's going with them on the trip and Four's like, I don't actually know why Peter's coming. And I know he also didn't inoculate himself just the other day. So I'm suspicious. I'll just have to keep an eye on him. But they just let Peter come. We're really in the uncanny valley of just characterizations right now. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why people are doing the things they're doing, but okay, we're in the truck. They're driving in the snow towards Chicago. And so Amar, he hands Four a map and he says, lucky you handsome, you get to man the map. And Four's like, why do I need a map? Just drive for the giant buildings in the horizon. And Amar's like, uh, queen, we aren't just driving straight into the city. We're taking a stealth route. Now shut up and man the map. And so now he's manning the map but there's no talk of the giant fence that's surrounding the city. How are we gonna get through the fence? Have they come up with a plan for that? So they start driving towards the city through this stealth route and Peter's like, oh, I can't believe we're going back. And Four's like, me either, dude. And so then while they're traveling towards the city, he's thinking, hmm, Marcus or Evelyn, Marcus or Evelyn, Marcus or Evelyn, whose memory should I take? And he's just like deliberating, thinking, oh, what would be the most selfless thing to do? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, resetting Marcus would mean erasing the man I hate and fear from the world. So that would be good. But resetting Evelyn would mean making her into a mother, one who wouldn't abandon me. Well, you never know. Or make decisions out of a desire for revenge. And he's like, oh, what can I do? What can I do? He says, either way, I'd be better off. But what would help the city most? I no longer know. Bitch, Evelyn, just wipe Evelyn's memory if you have to wipe somebody's. And now, okay, I honestly think the fence has fallen down and I missed it. Is someone reading along? Can you let me know when the fence came down? Because I missed it. Because he says we drove and drove and then we reached the place where the outside world ends and the experiment begins. As abrupt a shift as if someone had drawn a line in the ground. And Amar drives over that line like it isn't there. He says, I watched the land of pavement and glass and metal turn into an empty field. The snow is falling softly now and I can faintly see the city skyline up ahead. Where's the fence? Or if the fence still exists, 
why is he making a metaphor out of this line on the ground? Surely that, that's not the separation between the city and the outside world. The line would be the fence. We don't need an imaginary equator. Well, well, why is he doing this? He's coming up with random metaphors. There's a fence. That's your metaphor. So then there's discussion around how to find Zeke. Apparently he was spotted uh, in a building just north of the Hancock building. And Amar's like, maybe we should go ziplining then, hey guys. And Four's like, no way, because he's afraid of ziplining. Um, and Amar laughs and laughs. That was a fun bit of banter. Oh, and then he says it takes us another hour to get close. What? If there was still an hour away from being close to the city, why was that imaginary line back there? Also, as I've said before, I've been to Chicago. I flew in from the airport. And I swear I just caught like a 30 minute train. I don't know why it's taken them so long, but you would think this airport is in another fucking state. So then Christina, she's like, Amar, uh, I hate to say it, but I got to pee. And he's like, come on, really? Are you, are you joking? You didn't pee before you left? And she's like, nah, I got to pee. And he's like, fine. So he pulls over and she's like, nobody look. But she like smiles at four because she doesn't really need to pee. Her plan is to slash the tires. And you'd think that, as soon as she gets back in the car and the tires are slashed, that would maybe raise a bit of suspicion, but no. So she fake pees, she slashes the tires and then they drive off. And then it's like, oh no, oh, the tires have blown, which just feels so suspicious. But Amar's also a dumb dumb. And he's like, oh, well, oh, that's unlucky. And Four gives us this great little line. He says, sometimes, All it takes to save people from a terrible fate is one person willing to do something about it, even if that something is a fake bathroom break. Wow, isn't that beautiful? Put that quote on a throw pillow. Put it on a motivational poster. That's just beautiful, beautiful words. Sometimes all it takes is a fake bathroom break to change the world. Mm -mm -mm. So true, so true. So Four's like, yep, oh no, the tires are flat. We're going to have to abandon the truck and get a new one. And Amar's like, ah, oh, shit, queen. He's like, we don't have time for this. Oh, how are we meant to slay our way into the city without a working truck? And Four says, calm down. I know where we can find another vehicle. You guys keep going on foot. I'll find us something to drive. I'll just hotwire a car that's been abandoned on the side of the road for like hundreds of years. And Amar's like, that's a brilliant idea. So before he splits off, he's like, okay, so what time do you need to inoculate Uriah and Christina's family by? Like, what time are we working with? And Amar says, George's schedule says we've got an hour before we reset the city. Hurry up. (laughs) He says, if you want us to spare Zeke and his mother the grief and let them get reset, I wouldn't blame you. I'll do it if you need me to, he says, which I can't figure out. He's like offering to let Zeke and his mother be reset so they don't have to be told about Uriah. And it's like, well, you don't have to do anything. Just do nothing and they'll get reset anyway because the whole city's going to be reset. And Four says, nah, can't do that. He says, they wouldn't be in pain, but it wouldn't be real. And I maintain that I'd still rather have my memory wiped than live through that grief, but okay. And Amar's like, oh, you're such a stiff. He says, as I've always said, Amar says, smiling, once a stiff, always a stiff. And I bet he's thinking about Tobias being stiff. Like, could, could he tone down the flirting, please? 
So four says, okay, well, when you find them, can you just do me a favor and not tell them about Uriah, just inoculate them. And then I'll come and I'll tell them. And Amar's like, okay. Amar must have love goggles on because how he's not seeing all of the holes in this plot, I, I don't know. So then Four's about to walk away from the truck and Peter's like, oh, I'll come with you. And he's like, what the fuck, why? And Peter says, well, you might need help finding a truck. It's a big city. If it's a big city, wouldn't he be more likely to find a truck more easily? What logic is that? And Four's like, I don't want to be around you, Peter, but he doesn't want to say anything because then Peter will tell Amar, dum dum Amar, what the actual plan is. Peter says to Tobias, he says, and if you don't want me to tell him you're planning something, you won't object. And then he looks at Tobias's pocket where the memory serum is, being like, yeah, I know what you got in your pocket. So Fall's like, oh, fine. And then Amar and Christina, they walk away, heading towards the Hancock building. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And maybe the fence? We still haven't heard the word fence yet. Like I might control F this book and see how many mentions of fence there are because I haven't heard about the fence in a while. So Christina and Amar walk off, maybe through the fence, maybe not. And Four says to Peter, I'm not actually looking for a truck. <gasps> Mic drop, big reveal. I think Peter knows that. But Four says, you might as well know that now. I'm not looking for a truck. So are you going to help me with what I'm doing or do I have to shoot you? And he says, it depends what you're doing. And that gives Tobias pause because he's like, what am I doing again? Am I erasing Evelyn's memory or Barkus's? He goes back to that quandary. He thinks, where do I have the greatest influence? Where can I make the biggest difference? 
He's like, hmm, hmm. And then he says, I'm going to stop a revolution. And then he walks off and Peter follows him. And that's the end of the chapter. So I guess him saying, I'm going to stop a revolution is implying that he's going to erase Marcus's memory because the Allegiant are the revolutionaries in this example, right? So I think that's the wrong decision, but let's see if it even actually happens. So then we go to chapter 45. It's a Triss POV and she's spending time with her brother who's on death's door. Dead man walking, he's on the green mile. And she's also with Matthew and they're showing Caleb the attack simulation serum. The attack simulation serum that was just lying in a random janitor's closet for Nita to find and show people. And Caleb's like, yep, that's it. That's the serum. And Tris says, I'm standing with my brother in the hours before he dies and he is analyzing serums. It's so stupid. Yeah, I agree, babe. It is really stupid. Actually, you know what? It's not that stupid considering this whole plan depends on serums and is about serums and it's a plan to release a serum. He'll get killed by a serum while releasing another serum to stop the Bureau from releasing a serum on Chicago. There's a lot of serums going on. So maybe it's not that stupid to analyze it actually now that I think about it. Okay, so she says, I know why Caleb wanted to come here to make sure that he was giving his life for a good reason. So now that he knows about the attack simulation, he'll be more on board with this suicide mission. Still, no one's thinking of an alternate plan, but okay. And Matthew, little string chewer Matthew, he says, tell me the activation code again. Because apparently, once he breaks into the weapons lab using explosives, he has to put in an activation code to enable the memory serum weapon. And then he has to press another button to deploy the memory serum weapon all the whilst dying from the automatic death serum that will be triggered once he opens the weapons lab. Jeepers creepers. And so Matthew, he's been drilling Caleb being like, what's the code? What's the code? Because it's all dependent on Caleb remembering the code. And Caleb's like, I know the fucking code, mate. I'm erudite. I don't have trouble memorizing numbers. And yeah, it is just like a six number sequence. And Caleb's like, oh, fine. It's 080712. And Matthew's like, good, don't forget it. And he's like, I won't, I just remembered it. And then Tris tells us right now, Kara is spending time with the people in the control room so she can spike their beverages with peace serum and shut off the lights in the compound while they're too drunk to notice. So I thought George had sent everyone home, but that must be a different control room. I don't know. So she's putting peace serum in their drinks to make them drunk. Does alcohol not exist? I don't know. And she says, this is just like what Nita and Tobias did a few weeks ago during that rebellion. So you'd think the control room would maybe stop accepting random drinks from people if that's how they keep letting their defenses down. You'd think maybe we'd implement something to stop that, but no. So then once she turns the lights off in the compound, Matthew, Caleb and Triss will run for the weapons lab unseen by the cameras in the dark. Why we don't have night vision cameras in this day and age, I'm not too sure. Especially when anyone can just walk into the control room, dope up everybody and then turn off the lights. Also, I don't really think it matters if you get seen by the cameras or not. You're wiping everyone's memories. It's not like they're going to use it in a court of law against you. No one will remember what they saw. And I don't know if they'll activate that quickly to stop you. Considering, yeah, their security protocols are pretty lax. 
and she says sitting across from me on the lab table are the explosives Reggie gave us. No explanation still about how they got these explosives off Reggie. We're just, just taking for granted that Reggie got them explosives. So then Matthew's like, cool, well, all right, we're all set. Let's just wait until we get the go ahead to run to the weapons lab and you can die, Caleb. And Caleb's like, okay, yeah, um, maybe I could have some alone time with my sister. And Trissa's like, yeah, Matthew, could you leave us alone for a bit? And he's like, yeah, sure, all right. I still don't trust that guy. So then Caleb says, I keep thinking about when we were young and we played Kanda, how I used to sit you down in a chair in the living room and ask you questions. And she's like, oh yeah, and you used to find the pulse in my wrist and tell me that if I lied, you'd be able to tell because the Kanda can always tell when other people are lying. It wasn't very nice. And he's like, yeah. Um, okay, so that sounds like a little fucked up game that they used to play as kids. And Caleb laughs and he's like, yeah, remember that one time you confessed to stealing a book from the school library just as mum came home? And she's like, yeah, I know. And then I had to go to the librarian and apologize. Oh, that librarian was a bitch. And Caleb's like, actually, she wasn't a bitch to me. She liked me. He says, did you know that when I was a library volunteer and I was supposed to be shelving books during my lunch hour, I was really just standing in the aisles and reading. She caught me a few times and never said anything about it. And Trissa's like, oh, wow. I didn't know that because she hates the fact that he loves books because it's a symbol of him being erudite. Even though apparently she just stole a book from the school library. So she must like books as well, deep down inside. But every time he mentions reading or liking books, she's like, feels betrayed by him. God, I don't get it. So they're reminiscing about how much they love fucking books all of a sudden. And then she says, all right, let's play Candor. You know, that traumatic game where you tortured me as a kid. Let's play it right now, hours before you're about to die. And he's like, okay, that sounds great. He says, all right, well, you go first. What did you really do to break the glasses in the kitchen when you said you were cleaning them or something? Like, who gives a shit about that? And she says, ah, Caleb, you've got one question you want to ask me and get an honest answer out of. And you're talking about that time I broke some glasses. And he's like, okay, fine. I guess my second most pressing question is, have you really forgiven me? <laughs> You'd think he would have said that, first of all, but no, apparently that isn't as important as finding out why she broke the glasses. And she never actually does say why she broke the glasses. She moves on to this next question. He says, have you really forgiven me or are you just saying that because I'm about to die? And she's like, well, um, like in her head, she's thinking it's because you're gonna die, of course. But she says, yeah, I have, yeah, I have. Or at least I desperately want to. And that might be the same thing. And I don't know if it is the same thing, but he believes her. He's like, oh God, I'm relieved. Even though neither of them are candor. So she could have been lying. He's like, oh, thanks for being honest, Tris. And she says, okay, well, what's the biggest reason that you're doing this? The most important one. And he's like, oh, Tris, don't ask me that. And she's like, oh, it's the game though. We're playing candor. You gotta be honest. Tell me the truth. And he says, well, I guess I feel like it's the only way I can escape the guilt for all the things I've done. I've never wanted anything more than I want to be rid of it. Did he even do that much? You know, my memory's not the best, but like, apart from being implicated in Triss's almost execution, what else did he do wrong? Oh, wait, was he involved in the attack simulation that led to like the genocide of the abnegation? I guess that's bad. I guess that is pretty bad. All right. That makes more sense if that's true. But then they hear a voice over the intercom saying, attention all compound residents, commence emergency lockdown procedure, effective until five o'clock AM. 
And so they're all shocked. They're like, oh, fuck. What? An emergency lockdown procedure. And I bet this was raised in the meeting, the emergency meeting that she was sitting in on and just not listening to. I bet they were talking about it openly. Like, oh, guys, by the way, also tonight we're doing an emergency lockdown procedure until five o'clock a.m. And they were all like, yes, 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 of course, of course, of course. I'll arrange the intercom announcement. And they were planning it all. Meanwhile, she's playing Candy Crush on a phone or something. She really should have been paying attention. That's, that's a known goal from Tris, let's be real. So Matthew comes in and he's like, oh God, shit. And she's like, what does that mean? What's an emergency lockdown? And he's like, it means they're getting locked down, idiot. Like we've got to go. If we're going to do this, we need to do it now before they increase security. He says it could be they just want to increase security before releasing the viruses, or it could be that they figured out we're trying something, but we have to go now. And so they're like, oh, Caleb, sorry, your life just got cut short. And then she remembers that thing Tobias said to her where he said like, you should only let someone sacrifice themselves for you if it's the ultimate way for them to show that they love you. And she knows now that that's not what this is for Caleb. He's just doing it for his own guilt because of the game they just played. So she's like, maybe he doesn't love me. I don't know. Like, why would he say that? When she says like, oh, why are you going on this suicide mission? Like, is the correct answer for him to say, oh, because I love you, Tris. Can that not also be true? Like, can he not just love you and also feel incredibly guilty about the genocide that he was a part of? But now, I don't know, she's getting all worried because it doesn't align with that abnegation saying that she'd never heard of until Tobias told her yesterday. And I think Tobias just made it up on the spot. (sighs) Anyway, okay, so that's the end of that chapter. We go to chapter 46, which is a Tobias POV again. And he's still with Peter looking for a truck. And he says to Peter, you didn't inoculate yourself yesterday. And he's like, no, I didn't. And Bo's like, oh, okay, well, why? And he's like, why should I tell you? (laughs) And so he's like, just fucking tell me, Peter. He's like, I know you know that I have the memory serum. Are you just here to try and steal it from me? What's going on? Just be open and honest with me. Let's play candor right now. He says, if you want me to give it to you, it couldn't hurt to give me a reason. And then Peter's like, I'd rather just take it from you. And Four says, oh, please, please. You think you're a good fighter, but you're not all that in a bag of potato chips. And just as Four's like, uh, you can't even take me, Peter punches him. <laughs> and Four's like, oh, wow, that, that'll teach me to be cocky. <laughs> At least he can acknowledge that that was so stupid. And so then he scrambles to his feet. There's a bit of a tussle. There's some kicking in the legs, punching in the ribs. Peter's fumbling for Four's pocket to try and get at the serum. Four elbows him in the mouth and he says, you know why you won fights as an initiate? Because you're cruel. Because you like to hurt people and you think you're special. You think everyone around you is a bunch of sissies who can't make, oh, sissies? I didn't know we were still using that word in 2023 or whenever this was written. Anyway, okay. Uh, You think everyone around you is a bunch of sissies who can't make tough choices like you can. So then Tobias is kicking him and he says, you're not special. I like to hurt people too. Oh, hello. I can make the cruelest choice. The difference is sometimes I don't and you always do and that makes you evil. Right, so that's kind of a reverse pep talk that he's giving Peter right now. He could have taken a different approach, but he's like, yeah, you're a piece of shit, Peter, and you'll always be a piece of shit and you're evil. And so now that he's kicked the shit out of him, Four starts walking away. But then Peter says, that's why I want it. I want the serum because I'm sick of being this way. I'm sick of doing bad things and liking it and then wondering what's wrong with me. I want it to be over. I want to start again. 
Right, okay. And Force says, don't you think that's the coward's way out? And Peter's like, I don't give a shit. But then Peter gets up and Force says, don't mess with me again. And I promise I'll let you reset yourself when all this is said and done. I have no reason not to. And so then he just nods and it says, we continue through the unmarked snow to the building where I last saw my mother. Okay. Well, okay. Well, first of all, so they're, they're inside the city and we did not see the fence. We've just completely erased all memory of the fence. And then speaking of erasing memories. Okay. So Peter has gone on this mission and not inoculated himself to try and lose his memory. But like, you can just, just do that anyway. When you're in the city, when the Bureau gets rid of your memory, or if you wanted to do it another way, go back to the Bureau, hedge your bets and wait until Triss and Caleb successfully release the memory virus and lose your memory there. Like you've just hurt your chances at either option by going with four, trying to find a truck allegedly, and then fighting him over the memory serum virus that's in his pocket. Just sit and wait for a few minutes. You probably are going to lose your memory. Like, what? What? what is his plan? He's like, oh, I want to lose my memory so bad. So I'm going to go on this mission to stop people from losing their memories. What the what? All right, well, let's leave it there. We'll see if Peter eventually does lose his memory. We'll see. And we'll see if they ever hit the fence. I don't think they're ever going to hit the fence. Was the fence a metaphor all along? Maybe the real fence is just the memories we made along the way that have now been wiped. I don't know. I'm confused. Let's leave it there. I'll see you next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.